You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. Alright, welcome in ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Derek and joined as always by your co-host Kevin. Uh, Kevin, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, man. Doing good. Another wonderful Friday night that we get to spend here uh, talking game lines, talking props, talking fantasy. So um, it's hard to complain, man. Doing doing what I love right now. Absolutely. It is time for the fantasy football huddle, that old bet set snap as we get ready here for week seven. And uh, looking forward to getting some questions, comments, all of that good stuff. Rocking and rolling. Always a great time getting to do that and getting to hang out with you here on a Friday night. So it is uh, is a good one here. Lots of uh, lots of kind of interesting you know, news as it hit the uh, hit the waivers or hit the reports there. Uh, lots of guys set to be out. Uh, a few guys that you know, maybe we thought we're going to miss, maybe not going to miss. Uh, a lot of buys going on this week, so there is a a lot of teams that are going to be hurting for a lot of positional needs out there. So. It'll be interesting to see, and I'm I'm really looking forward to some of these these comments, questions, all that kind of stuff that we get in the uh, in the chat here from folks as we rock and roll that or rock and roll through that. Um, anything kind of stand out to you? Uh, we have yet to hear about the San Francisco 49ers, right? Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, um, you know, are are guys that you need right to play especially with these bye weeks their impact what they can be so that's it's brutal right but no david montgomery that one stings um you know on top of the buys that are at hand and the matchups this week kind of are poo poo right like they're not glorious matchups so this is a tough week it's a tough week to bet it's a tough week to play so it's, it's a grind right now absolutely so it'll be uh It'll, it will be interesting, though, because I think we will see some things kind of happen here. But this is one of those that the you know, the, the totals, all of that that I've, I've been seeing, uh, seem to be a lot lower this year than what what they've been in the last few years here. Um, you know, most of the time when we go through this, it you know, seems to me that we, we typically in years past have seen a lot of like in the mid 40s. Right. And we're seeing a lot more in the high 30s, low 40s type of thing there. So, yeah. Um, one of those that I'm going to have to go through now that I say that and look at that and uh, kind of dive into that and see if that really is the case or if I'm just, uh, you know, having some of that back in, back in aught, uh, aught eight, we had, uh, we had lots of points scored in every game. Yeah. I was reading, I was reading something. They said that fantasy points, uh, basically the receiving points for the running backs are down year over year. Right now, this is what it was. It was specifically about that, but it was talking about receiving points to running backs being down. Now, part of that is Barkley was hurt. He's a receiving back. Didn't do a ton at the beginning of the season, but he was getting two, three balls a game. Right. Eckler down. That's a big deal. Right. Eckler was a receiving monster after week two last year. So that that eats into it as well. But, um, you know, some of these running backs where you're thinking you're going to be able to double dip because there's they're prominent in the passing game. It just hasn't come to fruition yet. Right. So, yeah, it should be very interesting here to see how these things kind of shake out there. Um, and folks, if you have any questions, comments, make sure you put those in the comment or, you know, put that in the chat. Let's uh, help you guys out here with uh, some of the, uh, what some folks are calling the buy again. Um, 
you know, couple that with the fact that you've got so many injuries kind of going on here as well uh, with so many guys on by that it, it does get a little rough out there and some rosters are fully decimated uh, here in week seven. So be an interesting deal to rock and roll through there. But uh, should we go ahead and hop into the, the first matchup here? We got, uh, we got some other things that uh, we need to hit up, you think? No, let's go ahead and jump on into it. All righty. Week seven matchup here. We got the Raiders heading out to Chicago to take on the Bears. The the Raiders are favored by two and a half. The over under on this one's 37 and a half, uh, which will, this will be an interesting one here as well. We have two starting quarterbacks not playing here. Um, but what are your thoughts on this game? I'm taking the Bears. Uh, I think Brian Hoyer is going to be playing quarterback for the Raiders. Uh, Devonta Adams came out kind of screaming this week saying, look, y'all brought me in to catch the ball you got to throw me the ball right so um i think that they're going to be able to kind of have their way with chicago here through the air as with you know most teams have had um but i i expect there to be some points here right vegas is traveling so i think that they're gonna be a little bit more susceptible i think that their run defense allows chicago to stay in it because the raiders uh a little porous against the run. So I think that allows things to stay close for a little while, but I think ultimately maybe it's a defensive turnover, maybe a special teams uh, play, but I do think we sneak to the over in this game, but I do have Vegas covering. Fair enough. I I'm right there with you with the, uh, the Raiders, the Raiders hitting that, uh, that cover on that one. I, the bears have been just bad uh, all the way across, right? They've, they've missed, missed catching the uh covering the spread in most of the games right like they're one four and one against the spread with a one and five record um this is one though that i so i'm right there with you that the that the raiders cover the three but i I just i don't know that we're going to see that many points put up in this one yes the bears defense is bad yes the raiders defense is bad however we've got you know journeyman you know career backup brian hoyer playing Starting quarterback for the Raiders is what it looks like. Uh, Tyson Baguette is, uh, or Bangette, uh, it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback for the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, Roshan Johnson also out of this one. You have Khalil Herbert also out of this one on the uh, the Bears side. So it looks like Dante Foreman's kind of a, a full go for the for the entire work of the backfield again, it looks like. Um, so this is one of those that I think we're going to see an under in a – kind of just a grimy game to watch. This one here is not going to surprise me if we look up and we see this and end 17 to 14 in favor of the Raiders. Uh, one of the props that I like is I do like Michael Mayer to go over 20 and a half receiving yards. We've seen this, uh, we've seen Michael Mayer come out and, you know, touch about 40 yards two weeks ago. Uh, he had his coming out party, kind of that, that breakout uh, game there with that big flash last week. I think we see that kind of continue in 20, and a half receiving yard seems a little low in this one. No, fair enough. I have Devonte Adams. I just lost my spot over 67 and a half receiving yards. Like I said earlier, he was screaming a little bit saying, give me the damn ball. And I think the Raiders are going to oblige you a little bit. They're going to find ways to get him fed early, often keep him happy, settle the rumblings here a little bit. I like it. Let's go ahead and hit up our next matchup here. We got the Cleveland Browns heading over to the Indianapolis Colts. The uh, Browns favored by three. The over under uh, over under on this one forty one. Thoughts on this one? I'm hoping the Browns don't have a little bit of a hangover 
right from from beating the Niners here. But I do have Cleveland covering this this game. Um, the push wouldn't surprise me, quite frankly. I, I I like the fact that it's a round number because it gives me that option. Um, but nevertheless, I'm taking the under in this game. I think points are going to be at a bit of a premium. Whether Deshaun Watson comes back or not, I don't think the Colts are going to be overly effective moving the ball against a really stout uh, Cleveland defense. But I do think that um, – I do think that both teams wanting to run the ball, this game is going to be pretty short. Possessions are going to be limited here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I do think that Cleveland pulls this thing out. I, I'm seeing kind of a 21 set or a 20 to 17 type of matchup here. Uh, so I do think that we come in just under that that 41 number. I think Cleveland covers that thing. Uh, one of the props that I really liked on this one was uh, Jonathan Taylor to go under 45 and a half rushing yards. And it's not going to surprise me that we see this line actually creep up farther uh, just with the way that some of the things are, are going and the way folks are tailing this uh, particular prop. Uh, but I do think that we're still very much in the Jonathan Taylor ramp up period. And I honestly think that he's going to be hard pressed to go over 30 yards rushing in this one. Yeah, this that one's going to be a bit interesting, right? So two weeks ago, we saw him at about 20, 25% of the snap share. Last week, it was about 50%, um, kind of a dead even split. So now it's going to be, where does it go from here, right? Does it jump up to 60? Does it jump up to 65? Does it maybe touch close to 70? Like what exactly is going to be this home? And we talked about this on the Tuesday show that Zach Moss really hadn't done anything to lose his job, right? Jonathan Taylor is just a better talent. But Zach Moss, the results that he's getting when the ball is in his hands, it is favorable, right? Like it's really hard to take the ball away from a guy who, who is being productive. And he absolutely is. He is being productive for the Colts. So, I'm interested to see what this breakdown looks like against a tougher defense. Um, but I do like that prop. Um, I'm going to take an Amari Cooper anytime touchdown. I think with Deshaun Watson coming back, trending that way, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to hone in on his favorite target here, and we're going to see Cooper get in the end zone. I like it. Uh, we do have a question coming in here, so let's hit that one up before we get to our next matchup here. Uh, George over on YouTube. Hey, guys, I'm 6-0. and oh, My team is Tua, CMC, Kenneth Walker, Cooper Cup, Olave, Goddard, uh, and the flex is James Cook. Should I trade away for Waddle? And should I, tra- should I start Zach Evans or Daryl Henderson if CMC doesn't play? Um... I think it kind of depends on what you need to give up for Waddle. Cook. What do you have as what do you have for wide receiver on your bench? Because I'm not in love with the Zach Evans or Daryl Henderson play. You have um and uh, Royce Freeman, who they're talking up as well. I I given a choice here, I'd actually choose Henderson over Zach Evans. Right when Sean McVay has been talking about these running backs, he has high remarks for Royce Freeman, he has high remarks for Daryl Henderson, and Zach Evans is a young player who's still learning. Like Dante Dell, Jameson, Jason. Um, Dell's on by. I you'll know. It, I think you should know if if Deontay's out of protocol, and I know it's a tougher matchup. 
He should be out of protocol. There was props galore on Deontay Johnson. Okay. So typically I, I, you don't see that this late in the week if he's not cleared. Yeah. So, or I guess off IR is what I'm saying, not protocol. But, uh, well, Dell's on the buy. So Jameson, JSN. Uh, Jason's got that. I, if, if McCaffrey can't go. I would move James Cook into your running back spot, and then I would play. Um, I, I think I'd go Jamison or Deontay, and try and maybe Jamison if you need the upside, right? Like if you right. need points, maybe Jamison. Um, if you need the safer floor, Deontay should get you volume, right? He's he is a good security blanket. Yes, it's a tougher matchup against the Rams, but Deontay should get you PPR points, right? I expect him to see seven targets in this game. So if he can come down with five of them, you know, it's a safer path to 10 points. If you need more than 10 points, yeah, I'm not touching the running game. The offensive line's been so bad, I'm not touching Pittsburgh's running game. I am – I think that's how I'd play it. And, and the problem is with the Monday night game, you're going to have to make that decision Sunday morning, right? Like the Niners are not going to release this information until 90 minutes before game time. So I think you're just going to have to decide at being 6-0, and can you start McCaffrey and then – possibly take the L, right? Because you have a big goose egg from a guy who's been averaging 20 points a game. Or do you sacrifice the possible 20 points saying if he plays, he's going to be a little bit limited. You play Deontay and you can make up at least half of that. So depends on the matchup. I think I would lean towards, you know, this is the downside about the Monday night games, but I think I would lean towards let's wait and see till right before kickoff on Sunday. If there's no news, right, about the walkthrough on Saturday or how any of that went out, um, then you bench McCaffrey, you slide Cook into your running back spot, and then you play Deontay in your flex. But I wouldn't play uh, I wouldn't play Evans or D'Angelo Henderson this week. Right. Daryl Henderson, sorry, Daryl. Right, and it's it's one of those two that McCaffrey didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we've got three practices late in the week. We haven't seen him seen him play. And Kevin, that's a really good point that you're going to have to make that decision come Sunday morning on whether or not to start, you know, and pivot off of these guys here. Uh, the only way that, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd probably take that shot a little bit more so on a CMC is if you've also got the ability to go out and get like an Elijah Mitchell, go out and get. Uh, Jordan Mason, um, that that way, if uh, McCaffrey misses, you can slide one of those guys into that that slot there. But it, it does get tough. Um, certainly, certainly missing all the practices, especially late in the week, does not does not give very good warm and fuzzies um, about uh, CMC playing this weekend. And I know most of the folks out there looking at uh, you know, a lot of different rankings, things like that. There's a lot of people out there that also think that he is uh, likely not going to uh, to play. So um, going back to his other question there, should he trade for uh, Jalen Waddle? And I think some of that depends on what you would need to give up to go get Waddle. 
<sighs> like I'm right there with you on the fact that you know, I think that we're the the breakout is coming, right? Like it's it's hard to contain the talent of Jalen Waddle that we and we just we're gonna see some big explosions through the back half here, but it also kind of depends too on what you what you need to give up. Like Jalen Waddle's kind of the forgotten man in Miami on a record on a record trending um offense. Yeah, I I I don't think I'd do it because of how the rest of your running back room is shaping up. Because if you trade away Cook, you're in a timeshare in L.A. with the Rams for four weeks, right? And then both these guys almost become obsolete mm-hmm. once um, Kyron okay. Williams comes back. And the Pittsburgh running game is an absolute mess right? Both running backs are blah. Like, you at least have top-end running back two potential with James Cook. Yes, Waddle gets you top-end, you know, wide receiver one potential, but he's been finishing closer to that lower end of wide receiver two. Um, And I think with Cup back and healthy, that makes up some of that difference for you. So, I... As, I like it, but I don't know that I do it, if that makes sense. And and I'm not going to shame you if you decide to pull the trigger on this, right? It is that close for me. I don't I wouldn't like how the rest of my running back room looks, knowing that McCaffrey's dinged up. And if he's dinged up and him or Kenneth Walker go down, you are now stuck having to play uh Jalen Warren as your RB2. And that's not a position I would personally want to be in. And actually, I guess that kind of depends too. George, is there a, is there an offer on the table already? Or is this your, you're kind of exploring things? Cause if you're, if you're in that still kind of exploring things, this is, this is going to sound um, kind of gross when I throw these, these names out here, but there's a world in which you can spin this thing to try and make this, make a deal happen here. Right. Jalen Waddles ranked 41 on the season, half point PPR. Tank Dell is about two spots, three spots ahead of him um, on that right now. And and Tank Dell's missed time as well. So you could potentially throw out a Tank Dell and try and see if you can get a Tank Dell and Warren trade for, for Waddle on that one and see if somebody's just so darn frustrated by the wide receiver they took in the second round that they're willing to get a, a two for one type of deal there. Uh, now it might be one of those that you get, la- you know, that you, you, it doesn't progress past the offer, but, um, yeah, it's something that you could, you could potentially try and do that. I just saw something else here come in. So we'll see what that, there we go. So yes, the guy has Stevenson and Javante as his RBs and he offered me cook for Waddle. You're, if you've got cook, you need more, like you need more back. You're trading the RB eighteen on the season for the RB or for the wide receiver forty one. Yeah, trying to catch Waddle when he's low. I get the buy low, like Mm -hmm. 
then I even get the potential to sell high with Cook, right? With Lat Murray kind of eating into some of these touches for whatever reason. Cook looks so much better than Latavius Murray does out there. So much better. And the Bills are just refusing to let Cook or cut Cook loose, essentially, and let him do his do his thing. Um That's what his running back room looks like. I, I I guess I don't disagree with Derek, right? See if you can offer a Tank Dell and Jalen Warren uh, for mm-hmm. Waddle and see if see if that does something. Hell, Deontay Johnson and Jalen Warren, and he may not want two Steelers. Um, but Jamison think, at least gives you the upside, so you could go Jamison and and Warren at that point. I mean, yeah, I'd try and package two of yours for Waddle and see if you can just keep that conversation going. Um, no. <sighs> the other thing, too, and this is so – uh, Kevin, I know your thoughts on, on one of these guys I'm about to say, but I, I think that we might see a little bit of an upswing coming for him over the back half here. But this might be one of those that you even see if you can send uh, Cook uh, – for if he wants cook right you're trading a a top end rb2 um and see if you can get stevenson and waddle at that point because you know stevenson's a guy that a lot of folks are down and out on i think that he i think that we've seen kind of the floor on this thing and i think we're going to see him kind of settle out and 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 perform more in that or that kind of back end rb2 territory uh so if you've got him as your flex and you've got waddle as that upside there but this is one of those that's yeah, if you're looking at just a from a pure ranking standpoint, from a pure production standpoint on this one, um, Jalen Waddle is, as far as trade capital goes, is pure name on that one. He's so far has been outperformed by you know, Tank Dell, Kendrick Bourne, Tutu Atwell, Cortland Sutton, Mike Thomas, uh, Josh Reynolds, Rashid Shahid, Curtis Samuel. You know, all of these guys that, um, you know, had we had we told you seven weeks in that you'd be in a better position having drafted those guys than Jalen Waddle, we would have been laughed out of the, the room type of thing, and that's where you need to you need to understand that that's that's what you're getting, and you're you're assuming all the risk by taking Waddle on at this point because if he continues to produce it, you have ten points a game on that one, it, it gets a little rough for you at that point. Yeah. Yeah, especially with uh, Damian Harris going on IR. He wasn't seeing a bunch of touches, but he was seeing the field a little bit, so that frees up some room for Cook. Um, yeah, so I, I I do like that one. Like, if you're going to pair them up, like, I'll give you Dell and Cook for Waddle and Stevenson. Yeah. Like, I'd entertain that, right, if you want a little bit more power on, on the, the receiver side to kind of go along with that. Um, but I think that's kind of where I would leave it. Like, I don't know that I would do it straight up. I think that, yes, the best is yet to come for Waddle, but I still think that James Cook is an extremely valuable piece for how you have your roster constructed right now. So, um, again, he's, he's a middle, he's a middle RB2, right? But that's a great thing to have when you have two top end RB1s on your roster, right? Like you can have him and you can get through the Niners by week here in week nine, I believe their bye week is right. So McCaffrey does have a bye week coming up. 
Um, so maybe you revisit after the Niners by week. So that way, A, McCaffrey can get healthy, and B, you know that CMC and Kenneth Walker are your guys going forward. You don't have to mess around with that so much. You're just anchored in at your running back position, and then maybe you look to deal Cook. So I don't know that it has to be right now either. You could sit on it for a couple weeks and then go once you get through your your top two guys and their bye weeks. Right. I like it. George Shane, thank you for the advice, guys. You are most welcome. Uh, guys, again, if you have questions, comments, all that, throw them in the chat. Let's go ahead and talk about them, help you, help you all out and get you guys ready to rock and roll here week seven, rest of the season, all that good stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our next matchup, though. We got the Buffalo Bills heading over to the New England Patriots. Buffalo favored by eight and a half, over under on this one, 40. Thoughts on this one? When I first filled out, excuse me, when I first filled out the show, Doc, I, <clears throat> I looked at it and I instantly went, oh, yeah, it's a divisional game. Belichick will have something for him. Allen hasn't been playing like super hot. He's just been able to get by. I'm going to New England to cover. And then I sat on it for two hours and then went back and looked at it and went, eh, no. Because there is no offensive movement for the Patriots here at the moment. Um, Mac Jones has been yanked two out of the last three games, right? So, um, and now they're inserting – uh, hell, I don't remember the rookie's name. The guy that they're bringing in for the goal line set now, do the wildcat stuff. Um, it doesn't matter. Malik Cunningham, I think. Yes, thank you, Cunningham. Yes, 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 yes. So they they inact they they put Bailey Zappi as inactive when they trusted him to come in the fourth quarter, and they had Cunningham coming in. So what's this going to do? Um, it's all gadgetry, right? Smoke and mirrors because New England's just not a good team right now. So I pivoted back to Buffalo. I do think they win this game by about 10, um, if not possibly more. And they kind of get their head in the right space, right? They kind of had they had that loss in London. They kind of had their oh, crap moment last week against the Giants. Um, I do think it was a little bit of a wake-up call. And we'll see this team be more efficient offensively here going forward. Yeah, and this is one that if I told you, you know, 20 points – Right, like you would think that you know, just off of the top of your head, that kind of stuff. But I told you, twenty points is what uh, you know for New England. You would think that oh, that's kind of what they've been averaging because the offense hasn't been good, things like that. No, twenty points is what they've scored in their last three games combined. They've had twenty points in you know in multiple games here when you combine them up. Last three, so this is one of those that it's not going to surprise me. If we see New England struggle to get to 10 points on this thing. Uh, but I think that when this thing's all said and done, we see a Bills victory somewhere in the neighborhood of like 28 to 10 type of thing. So this is going to be a just on the underside of it. Um, this is one of those two that Buffalo is, it Buffalo themselves seems to be having some issues and struggles the last few uh, last few outings, right? Like they had a hard time seemingly taking care of the Giants last week. Um, they looked like they were still on the plane over on the you know plane ride over to London to play Jacksonville the week before that. So Buffalo's had their struggles last couple of weeks here as well. But I do think that this is a lower scoring game, 28 to 10 type of thing. One of the props that I really like is Gabe Davis over two and a half receptions. 
That's one. Sorry. I'm going to take James Cook over 53.5 rushing yards. I think the Bills are going to be able to get a lead in this game. They're not going to have to, I guess, drive the ball down the field. It'll let them work on some of these things. And James Cook has been pretty dang efficient running the football, right? Bad game against Jacksonville, but bounced right back against a bad Giants team for 74, 76 yards, whatever it is. Uh, New England's not a whole lot better against the run. So I think we're going to see something similar and that he'll fairly easily be able to outpace that 53.5. I like it. Uh, Question coming in here. Let's go ahead and hit this one up. Uh, Joe over on the YouTube saying, working on a trade, give up two between Ramadre, uh, Rashad White, Jalen Warren for Pollard. It'll kill me this week because he also has CMC and Roshan, but long run, um, you know, hope it gets done. Is it a good deal? So you're trading a kind of a back end RB two top end RB three for a top 10, uh, actually our Tony Pollard's an RB 12. So a back end RB one. Um, yeah. If I'm offering the deal, I'm hoping Jalen Warren and, Ramondre or White, whichever one you you don't want to deal with, honestly, um, gets that job done. If I'm the Pollard owner, I'm probably going to say pass. Like, we know that this Cowboys offense can be high octane. And Tony Pollard, yes, he's come off the back-to-back down games, but they've been against um, better rushing defenses, right? San Francisco stout all over. And the Chargers' weakness is through the air. They do a pretty decent job stopping the run here so far uh, year-to-date. So I'm not probably going to love it if I'm the Pollard owner. You're going to have to fluff this up, Joe, right? You're going to have to make this really good. You're going to have to kind of talk to this guy and work your way into this deal. I don't think just blindly shooting it over is going to get the way – going to get it done. Yeah, I've got uh, – so I've got Tony Pollard in the home in the home league – and I would tell you flat out that, that your offer needs to find more teeth to it in order for me to move off of Pollard. Right. And I've, and I've got, I've got the, the RB depth on that, that I could even you know do that, but I'm, I'm not getting rid of an RB one and who's going to be a top 10, um, your rest of season RB, even in, you know, not great weeks type of thing. Like I, I, I need, I'll need more on that one. Yeah. Like you better be bringing a wide receiver one to the table. You better be bringing another, you know, two RBs that are back in RB or top end RB two type of deals to, to move up in there. Like there's some other things in there. Yeah. Is he, are they really hurting? He's also saying he's throwing in a 12 string acoustic guitar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, is, so your league mate who has Pollard, is he hurting at running back? I guess that might be cause, right? Like if you had, if he went Pollard and Nick Chubb, right? You could, you mm-hmm. could see this, right? Pollard and Chubb, round one and two. And obviously Chubb went down and he didn't grab another back until late, right? Let's, or later. So he has, you know, does he have like a Tyler Algier? Like what's his depth look like? Right, because if he has depth at running back, I don't. This isn't going to get done. I agree with Derek. 
But if he had something like a Nick Chubb who went down and hurt, if he has um, um, Javante Williams, who has been less than stellar, Brees Hall, Chuba. Chubb and other. I, at that point, if I've got Brees Hall and Tony Pollard, like it's going to take something to to knock my socks off to move <laughs> off of that because I'm banking on my my two RB my two RB ones rest of the season to, to carry my squad. Yeah. Your only, your, your hope is right. Your hope is because they're all on by this week. So yeah. So yes, toss it out there. And your hope is because every single one of those backs, Pollard, Hall, Chuba Hubbard are all on by this week that he is just RB desperate trying to figure out what way is what. And if he's not willing to, if he's not willing to be diligent and sacrifice the week, then then maybe he does get the deal. So, yeah, to, I mean, toss it out there, knowing that all these guys are on by, right? You never know what's going to happen when people feel desperate, like if they have to have a week and this is this is what their problem is. You're giving them all three of those guys play this week. So, I mean, you're giving them starting running backs instead of taking an L. Yeah, and he says he's, he's seriously pondering it. Okay, uh, and and that would be what that makes more that makes sense. a lot more sense. Yes, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it might have to be White and Stevenson to get Pollard, right? If I'm the Pollard owner, that's what I'm shooting for. If that's if that's what you're offering out, if I'm you, I'm trying to pump up the Jalen Warren side of things. Like, look, he's catching all these passes. Stevenson's not catching the ball. Um, Rashad White starting to split more time with um, with other backs in the backfield in Tampa Bay. So what we thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season, he's kind of regressing a little bit. Like pump some of that up for yourself, right? And, uh, and see how that goes because – I, I don't know. I wouldn't hate it. Like, if you get it done, good for you. Like, that's a home run move. Right. That could be a league-winning move by being able to solidify that. So, I hope it works out for you. Um, and we're just going to have to see how he shakes out and if he wants to sacrifice this week or if he feels like he needs to go fight for a win. Yeah. Because yeah, at that point, if he's got uh, CMC and Pollard going down the stretch, like, that's a this going to be a tough squad to, to overcome. All righty, Tucker um, over on Twitch is asking, Keenan Allen, Amon Ra, or Devontae Adams? It's a full PPR pick two. Who's your flex that you're having to pick only two of these guys? Because, Tucker, good on you. Your roster must be loaded. Um, Man. My initial gut reaction would tell you to take Keenan Allen and Amon Ra, but Keenan Allen, the Kansas, Kansas City matchup's been a tough one, um, especially for for opposing wide receivers. And on the Tuesday show, I had Keenan Allen as my pine, so I'm actually expecting him to underperform and not quite hit projections on this one. Uh, I think you're right. I think the Devontae Adams call from earlier in the show tonight I think you're right. I think they feed him the ball a little bit, right? Like he's going to be kind of that safety blanket for Hoyer. He's going to, you know, feed it, feed him there fairly well. I think Amon Ra is the smash on this one. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a heck of a squad if you're having to pick only two of these guys to rock and roll. Jeez, 
Jeez. Yeah, I think I'm playing Adams against the worst defense that any of these receivers are going up against. I think Brian Hoyer can find a way to get him the ball enough to make him relevant. You know, eight out of 13 is is, is kind of how I'm seeing Adams stat line looking for receptions and targets. Um, and if he has eight receptions, you're probably looking at a minimum of 90 yards. Yeah. So, um, and then – Man, I think I'm going St. Brown just because uh, without David Montgomery, I think they're going to have to change up what this Lions offense looks like a little bit, and they're going to have to use St. Brown a little bit more and be creative with him. Um, but it still feels dirty having to sit Keenan Allen, and I think that's the call here is is you're sitting Allen this week, um, and – just be prepared that no matter what two you go with, <laughs> you're going to be frustrated because I think all these guys could have very big weeks um, when it's all said and done. Yeah. And it's not like the, uh, you know, Devontae has that, he has the best matchup of them all, but Almond Raw has a tough matchup against Baltimore. Keenan Allen has, has the tougher matchup between the two as far as fantasy goes and where they allow points to and all of that. But, uh, congratulations on assembling uh, assembling that roster. I'm a uh, I'm a fan of that roster construction. If that's what you're having to pick between, good. They're they're good problems to have, right? Especially <laughs> especially this week when there's so many people on a buy. Absolutely, uh, Terrence. My squad is uh, Hal Harris, Ford, Cup, Cooper, Musgrave, Pickens, the Browns defense, and Maher. Um, I like it. He's going up against uh, Watson, Barkley, Gibbs, Diggs, Olave, Najoku, Tampa's defense, and Tucker. I, I, like, your, I like your chances, Terrence, right? Watson's first game back. Um, for sure. I, I like your chances, man. I, I right. think I, I'd, I'd say you're a 60-40 favorite. Right, I'm just kind of Probably. looking at the roster construction here right now, leading into the game. We know what Alave's already done, um, and it wasn't o- okay, it was but okay, not yeah. yeah, it wasn't. We didn't blow the doors off, right? Kirk got that touchdown when he broke off for was it 46 or yards yeah. or whatever that long touchdown was that he got, and uh, just be glad you're not playing Calvin Ridley. Exactly. Hey, congratulations on your pine call, by the way. That one point is going to look really good when we update that. So, thank you. Uh, All righty. Um, let's go ahead and hit up this one, and then I'm going to come back to the other one here. So, Terrence saying that he's not sold on Musgraves, had the Steelers tied in, but he went, but he had a setback, so picked up Musgrave. I, I, so, right, Terrence, I know you tune into the Tuesday shows as well. I called for Musgrave to as my shine for the tight ends this week. He plays Denver. Denver gives up the most fantasy points, so he's got a prime matchup on this one. Uh, I think that he'll do well for you. Uh, I'm not going to surprise him if we see Musgrave fall into the end zone and end up with 40 or 50 yards. So I I, I don't have a problem playing Musgrave if he's on my roster. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a very strong pivot with Frymuth having the setback and being downgraded to out for this week. Right. 
Alrighty, and then um, question coming on the YouTube: uh, Keontae Johnson or Keontae Ingram or Justice Hill? If Metcalf doesn't play, do I start Josh Palmer or do I start JSN? Uh, um, I guess Justice Hill because he's kind of been their goal line back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lions are stingy against the run. Like they've been very good when they're front seven with not letting teams run on them. That's going to be tough either way. I think Justin Hill, Justice Hill gets you the um, touchdown upside. I think Kanta Ingram might give you some receiving upside, but one touchdown outdoes six receptions, right? Like or equal to six receptions. So I, I, I think you lean Hill by a hair. Um, and I I think if if Metcalf doesn't go, this could be a JSN week against a bad Arizona defense. Yeah. Much as I don't want to don't want to go that route, I think you're right there. I just Kansas City has been really tough. Um like this is this is not your, you know, the what we're used to seeing out of Kansas City, where they're just going to shoot out everybody. And you know, a year ago, two years ago, like we would have been looking at a Chargers Chiefs matchup, expecting to see seventy points put on the board, type of thing, where both of these teams easily get into the thirties and all of that. And we're going to cover this matchup here later on here, but I, I don't think that that's going to be as high scoring as everybody thinks it is, and I think that points are going to come at a premium in that uh, Kansas City and. Um, Chargers matchup there, so I'm I'm leaning I'm right there with you. I think that we'll see more points go off in that Seattle and Arizona matchup, and I think that uh, I'm gonna lean with the, lean to the spot where there's more option for points, and that all is of course you know determined upon uh, if Metcalf plays. If Metcalf plays, you're gonna go Josh Palmer because he'll yeah at least see the ball more. All righty. Uh, Terrence saying that his bench is uh, Hall, Garrett Wilson, T. Higgins, uh, Kyron Williams, Stroud, Lawrence, Achan. And asking if we're still leading Musgrave over Thomas. So I'm assuming that's Logan Thomas at the tight end spot. I, I'm i going to take the matchup on that one, right? With tight ends, if you're not playing, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, realistically, you are looking for touchdown upside on that one. Logan Thomas and the uh, Commanders playing the Giants. Luke Tom, uh, Luke Musgrave playing the Denver Broncos. I think that we're going to see more points out of that Broncos game, and I think that there's a better chance that Luke Musgrave falls into the end zone than what Logan Thomas does this week. Any other thoughts? No, but it's by the slimmest of margins. Yeah, I mean this is like a fifty-one forty-nine type of thing for me, Terrence. But I'm going to go. I'm going to lean with the guy that has the better matchup. If it's basically a 50 50 call, which is this is kind of where we're we're in that territory on. Yeah. Cool. I'm good with that. All righty. Uh, let's go ahead and hit up our next matchup. And again, guys, if you have any questions, comments, throw them in the chat. Let's chat, let's chat about them. Let's get that going. Right. We were just talking about Logan Thomas. Let's go ahead and hit up that matchup here with the commanders heading to New York to take on the Giants here. Washington's favored by two and a half. The over under on this one, 37 and a half. What are your thoughts here? Uh, I'm I'm going to take Washington here. Um, I think that the Giants just are kind of a a mess right now, right? Like they're trying to find their way and find what they need to do to be relevant offensively. Um, 
Okoye has been doing a good job, you know, kind of stuffing up the middle for the for the Giants and defensively, but he's kind of just he's a one man wrecking crew right now. Um, and unfortunately, he doesn't play defensive back. So, um, Commanders are a little bit more balanced right now with their ability to throw the ball. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna lead Washington to barely cover. Right, three point game wouldn't surprise me if it was in the final, you know, three minutes of the game or something. They drove down, they win a game. Yeah, I mean, twenty four to twenty one. You know, something like that at the very end. But that would require the Giants to score three touchdowns. And I don't know if that's going to happen either. So maybe it's 20 to 17. Fair enough. I'm kind of right there with you. I do think that Washington wins this thing. I think this is going to come down to, you know, last second field goal heroics type of deal. Divisional matchup here on, you know, the Giants haven't been good. Uh, but they somehow managed to keep teams that kind of, you know, lower grinded out grimy type of games here. Um you know, a little bit surprising from what we've seen, but I, I do think that that's kind of what we're going to get here as well as a lower scoring affair. So I'm going to take the under on this one. Um, you know, not going to surprise me if we look up and we see this one end 17 to 17 to 10, um, 14 to 10 type of thing. Like I, I think this is going to be a, a very low scoring type of affair. Um, so I'm taking the under. I do like uh, Terry McLaurin, though, to hit his uh, or to go over his prop of four and a half receptions in this one. Very good. I'm going to take Curtis Samuel to go over 33.5 receiving yards. He has been finishing um, pretty consistently in wide receiver two territory. So I think he's able to get over the top of that. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if that Terry McLaurin deal, we see, you know, two or three receptions on that very last drive to get him to five. But um, I think that we'll see him get there. And I like that Curtis Samuel call. All righty. Let's go ahead and hit up our next matchup here. We've got the Atlanta Falcons heading down to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Bucks favored by two and a half over under on this one, 37. What are your thoughts here? Uh, man, I think Tampa Bay wins this game at home. Um, I think this game is going to be pretty back and forth, right? Like Tampa Bay is solid, right? They played Detroit tough. Um, I think they're going to play Atlanta tough as well. Uh, yards on the ground are going to be hard to come by for Bijan. Um, but ultimately, I think Baker finds a way. And I think Tampa Bay is going to find a way to kind of learn how to win um, with this newer crew that they have here so i'm going to take the over i think there's gonna be just enough points to get over that so something 24 uh what is it 27 24 something like that 27 20 could be something like that so i do think we get over that 37 but it might be a little interesting to see how we get there yeah, I think that we see just enough points come in this one, right? Like both of these teams have a tendency to get right around 20 points a game type of thing. So it's not going to surprise me if we see a 23 to 20 type of uh, type of outcome with Tampa Bay just squeaking that one out. So I do see the over on this one hitting as well. As far as a prop goes, right? Like it's interesting you mentioned the Bijan having a tough time getting his yards on the ground. I think that's right. I think that he's going to have a a harder time doing that, but I do think that Atlanta is going to find a way to get a playmaker 
the ball in some space, and he's going to find his way into going over three and a half receptions. Uh, very good. I'm going to take Drake London over 46 and a half because I think Tampa Bay is going to be leading in this game. Um, and, and Atlanta's going to have to stay balanced. They're not going to be able to just run the ball in this one. So it's going to force Desmond Ritter to the air. I think Drake London is going to be kind of a, a primary recipient of said fruitfulness. I like it. All right, let's hit up our next matchup here. We got the Detroit Lions heading over to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Baltimore favored by three. The over-under on this one, 43. What are your thoughts here? Uh, I'm going to take Detroit. I, I think they're on a roll. I think Detroit is playing really good football here right now. Um, this has the potential to be one of the more fun games and competitive games on the slate. Um that we have here on Sunday, but uh, I think the Lions find a way to get this done on the road. They've been playing really well. Baltimore plays to the level of their competition, so I do expect them to show up in this game. But I think ultimately, uh, the as my son calls them, the Blue Lions are uh, are going to wear them down here and win this one at the end. I like that. Uh, I think you're right. I think that Detroit. Uh, finds a way to get this thing done. Uh, I, I see them you know, walking away with a with a road victory on this thing. Uh, I do think that we're going to see just enough points to see the over on this one. That can surprise me when we look up and we see a twenty seven to twenty four type of win. A you know even a twenty four twenty one type of win. Like I think that we see just enough points to get in squeak into that over on this one. Uh, one of the props that I like though, Zay Flowers to go over. Uh, four and a half receptions. I think they find a way to to keep feeding him the ball. I like that. Um, I'm going to take an Amon Ross St. Brown anytime touchdown. Um, he has been he's been a focal point of this offense. I think they need to continue that with David Montgomery being out. It's going to lean on him just a little bit more. Sam Laporta is dinged up here a little bit. Um, so that and he was dropping some uncharacteristic passes last week had a couple couple cases of the dropsies um so we'll see if that gets cleaned up but uh we're gonna we're gonna let the sun god eat here it gets in the end zone i like it we did you so i'm gonna stop us right here before we move on to the next one all right the lions were a lot of people's darling heading into this season right that's mm -hmm. no surprise a lot of people pick did you think that they would be five and one heading into this with, with a very legitimate shot of having a massive road win for them here in in week seven and being six and one and, and really having a stranglehold on the NFC North this early in the season? Um, Funny you should ask. I actually have a you know, surprise, surprise. I've, I've got uh, my picks actually called out there. So at this point in the season – I had Detroit. I had them at four and two. Okay, so right there. Yeah. So was I, the Kansas I, City game is it, that the was, is that the one that screwed up? It was the Kansas City game. Was the was the one that messed that one up? So, um, but yeah, like it. And this was one of those that I actually put down some some early futures on Detroit. Um, you know, to uh, to win the whole whole darn thing. So just because the the line was so good at that point, um, with the odds being so good at that point. So uh, I, I think they've got a legitimate shot, right? Coming into the season, I I I saw them as a top 
four top five team coming in. So uh, it doesn't five and one, five and one little shocking because I, I thought that they would have picked up a, a loss in week one, but not that surprising um, either. Like they've they've come out and they really are playing playing very effective on both sides of the ball on this one. Fair enough. So um, I did have them you know, having a little bit of a tough stretch, uh, you know, a little bit of a tough stretch down the or down the stretch here where they, they had a couple of games where they dropped it a little bit, but I think I ultimately had Detroit at, you know, win loss record of, uh, of 11 and six. So good enough to win that division and very respectable. Right. So I don't know. What, what were your thoughts here on the, on the Detroit? A little bit of a surprise for you. I'm surprised with how well the defense is playing and how the offense hasn't had to just go in shootout mode. Um, the win last week really impressed me, right? And and we probably didn't give it enough credit on the Tuesday show just because we're trying to cover so much and, and get through what we need to. But um, the, the defense is impressive. They're not getting gashed. They're not giving up massive amounts of home run plays. Like when you're asking Jared Goff to, you know, put up, 23 to 26 points a game and you're not asking him to put up 35 to 38 points a game like that's a massive difference right you're able to take some of these games and and shrink them down like how they've been able to use David Montgomery up to this point has has worked out really well for the the games he's played right like now we're going to be seven weeks in and he's only been able to play in five of them so you do worry about you now his his health, right? If he can stay healthy with him getting twenty four touches a game, because that is a massive workload. Um, and so you kind of hope Jameer Gibbs can can take a little bit off that, right? Because the Lions are better with Montgomery in there, but I'd rather have Montgomery in for nineteen or twenty touches a game and play every week then 24 touches a game and every third game he has to sit. Right. Agreed. All right. Let's go ahead and hit up that, uh, that next matchup. If no other thoughts on that one, let's do it. All right. We got the uh, Steelers heading out to Los Angeles, take on the Rams, the Rams favored by three, the over under on this one, 44. What are your thoughts here? I'm taking the Rams at home. Um, I am going to take the under, though. I, I just I haven't seen enough out of the Steelers' offense, right? Like, I do think the Rams are going to be able to kind of move the ball well through the air. Uh, this, I mean, hell, if Kyron Williams is healthy, this game's probably at least six or six-and-a-half-point spread, right? Like, typically you don't see an impact from a running back that big, but it, it seems to be happening here in this one. So, um I like their ability to move the ball through the air. I think Stafford is going to um, continue this little heater that he's on and, and being able to rely on Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and sprinkle the run game in just enough to keep the Steelers honest and be able to use the play action. But most of this is going to rest on, on Matt's right arm. I would agree with you on that one. I do like the Rams to cover this thing. I think that they actually probably pull this thing off by more than three. I do like the under uh, on this one here as well. Uh, this is one of those that I, I just don't trust the the Steelers to put up enough points to carry us to the over. So I'm not going to surprise when we look up and we see a, 
you're even a 21 to 17 type of scoreboard on this one. Um, so I do like the under one of the props that I really like is Bukanakua to go over four and a half receptions on this one. Um, I think the fact that Kyron is going to miss some time on this one, I think that we see the Rams focus on a little bit more of some quick hitting short passes. Um, so I think we'll see a lot of Cooper cup and Pukunakua kind of going over the middle on some quick slants to kind of keep the ball moving and, and substitute and, uh, you know, supplement some of that, uh, that, that run game that's going to be missing. I can see that. I can see two, two out. Well, kind of jumping in there as well, right. As an extension to the run game to not get cup blown up for no reason. Um, but I'm going to play into all that. I'm going to take Matt Stafford over 259.5 here against the Steelers due to the uh, uncertainty of the run game and what that's going to look like this week. All right. I like it. Let's go ahead and hit up the uh, question coming in here over on Twitch. Trade CD Lamb for Sam Laporta and Jordan Addison. Uh, PPR 2 4. Uh, the wide receivers Lamb, Puka, Kirk, Watson. Palmer, Dell, tight ends, Thomas, and Schultz. You need more back than Sam Laporta for CD. Tight ends are hard to come by. I don't know that I do this. Like, Jordan Addison hasn't blown up yet, right? Like, uh, this week is going to be tough against the Niners. Um, They do have a bye week here relatively quickly. Um, sorry, I'm pulling that up right now. Um, I CD, I think it's fair to say that CD's had a, had a fairly down year up until this point. Like he's not what we expected, not what you've necessarily drafted him to be, but he's still a top 15 wide receiver out there. And then, yeah, and actually let's change that over. So I see the, the PPR, not just half point PPR. Um, so in full PPR, he's scoring almost 15 points a game on average for you. Laporta's getting 13. So you're giving up a few points per game there. Um, and I get that, yeah, it's tough to get the tough to get points out of that tight end position, but you can also almost stream that position to, you know, just as effective to get towards that, that double digit in most cases. I realistically like just looking at Laporta's finishes, uh, finish of tight end 14, 11. Oh, let's get that changed over here as well. So tight end finish of eight, eight, one, 17, five, 17. So he's had a couple of really good weeks there. Uh, but those couple of really good weeks tend to, tend to also come when he falls into the end zone. Yeah. I understand the allure to this. I don't think I'd do it. I think I'd rather have CD, excuse me, CD Lamb and trust that it wasn't just a one week uh, deal with him screaming for the ball and then they fed him against the Chargers. I would like to think that that continues here for the rest of the season and they actually use their best pass catcher. Um, And I think between Schultz and Thomas, you have two very serviceable tight ends on your roster, right? Like, yes, it's a little bit of tight end roulette for you, um, but I think Lamb provides an amazing ceiling with Puka providing a decent floor and being able to have Christian Kirk there to alternate in between um, this week with the bye week of Lamb. So congratulations on your Thursday night success, hopefully, with Christian Kirk. Um, 
and then Puka with what Derek and I both think he's going to be able to do this weekend. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I'd do it. I, it's probably fair, right? Like I, I, I see where it's fair. So if you're looking for the value, yes, like it is a fair trade. I don't know that I would make it though. I think I would keep CD. Right, and some of that too is is also one of those that you got to look at the overall roster construct construction as well. Um, yeah, if you remove Lamb from that, you're really relying on Puka and, and Kirk to have to try and carry you through rest of the season on this one, right? And there's depending upon which side of the defense you fall on on the the Puka Nakua um, debate there, right? There's some folks out there that, that are firmly in the camp that Puka Nakua has little to no fantasy value rest of season because of uh, the return of Cooper Cup and that you're where we've seen the one decent finish in the two games that Cup's been back is because he fell into the end zone. There's others that you know believe that this Rams offense will function a little bit more like you know the Cooper Cup Robert Wood days of old in which both of these guys can have fantasy relevance down the stretch. Um, and then Christian Kirk um, is the wide receiver that you want there. So that's one of those that if you do this deal, you were you were kind of signing yourself up to have to run Puka Nakua and Christian Kirk week in, week out as your wide receiver one, two. And then you've got to have enough roster construction elsewhere to be able to run, you know, your running backs there to, to you know, make up points that you're really missing from what can be a top end wide receiver one. And, uh, and you're going to have to run a, a really consistent flex that'll get you 10 points type of thing. So there's, there, there's some other things in there as well. Um, so willing the goat saying he hasn't gotten over five points from a tight end all season. Thank you. So whatever you, so whatever you have leading up to game day, switch it right before the start of <laughs> like right. you should be able to get more than five points, especially between Logan Thomas and, and Dalton Schultz, right? Schultz, had a really good game last week. Um, He's had three really good week. games in Rome. Um, Logan Thomas is coming on. Like you, you should. What was it? I guess week six. Thomas was a little down, but weeks three, four, and five, Thomas played really well. Um, you should be able between those two be able to get you know eight to twelve points out of those spots uh, fairly regularly. Right. And yeah, because Schultz put up thirteen points, nineteen points, sixteen points weeks four, five, six in that order. And then uh, Thomas is projected to do uh, roughly around 10, if memory serves about right on this one. Um, Against a bad Giants defense. Right. So. So, so and willing to go, there's also some chances too, that you've got a tight end on your waiver wire that you could uh, pick up and plug and chug on that one too, potentially. So I've, uh, I, I get the I get the allure of it, but there's also some of that that tight ends. You're end just shifting your problem, right? Yeah. You're shifting your problem away from tight end because you feel like you have Laporta over to wide receiver. And I I would personally rather leave my problem at tight end because that's the easiest place to miss and still be extremely competitive. Right. Agreed. All righty, let's head into our next matchup here. We've got the Arizona Cardinals heading over to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Seahawks favored by eight, the over-under on this one, 44 and a half. What are your thoughts here? I'm taking Arizona to cover this game. Like, I just, I'm not completely convinced that 
the Seahawks are ready to blow someone out by double digits, essentially. So we're saying 19, or excuse me, we're saying 24 to 13, 24 to 15, right? That's what they have to win by, nine to cover that. That's a, that's a big number for a Seattle team that likes to run the ball. So I can see them holding a 14 to 10 point lead for the majority of this game and then a backdoor cover coming late and, and just squeaking inside of this. So I, I'm going to take Arizona to cover this game. I do like Seattle to win it. Um, and I'm, I'm leaning towards the over in this game, right? The Seahawks have given up some points. We know Arizona can give up points in bunches at times. Um, so, you know, if you're on the West Coast, right, it's it's a good Fox game to watch. Um, but the game doesn't necessarily blow my socks off unless I'm a Ken Walker owner. Fair enough. And I I am going to go with the over. but that, And I am going to go with Seattle. But that's one of those that I'm not super confident on that one. Like, I don't feel great about that call there. Um, because I do think that this is one of those that, that we could see this thing end up like in a 27 to 20 type of matchup, which, you know, just gets the cover done uh, by the Cardinals there. But I am going to, I'm going to ride that out. I'm going to say that Seattle covers this thing. We do find a way to get to the over. One of the props that I really like is Lockett to go under 57 and a half receiving yards. I think you're right. I think this is one of those that we see a whole lot of Kenneth Walker uh, running and running and continuing to run um, in this matchup. Blew right past it. Here we go. Um, I'm going to take Hollywood Brown over 4.5 receptions. I do think Seattle's going to be leading. It's going to mean that uh, Arizona's throwing the ball to keep up here almost from the get-go. Um, and I think Hollywood Brown, they've done a good job scheming him open, and that's good for five catches. Fair enough. I like that call, too. Uh, let's hit up our next matchup here. We've got the uh, the Green Bay Packers heading to Denver, taking on the Broncos. Green Bay's favored by one, the over-under 45. Thoughts on this one? The Denver Broncos are the only team in the NFL, unless Derek tells me I'm wrong, that have not beat the spread this year. They're 0-5-1. Um, this trend will continue. The Broncos are a bad football team right now, and – I think that continues. They're getting ready to be sellers here um, as we come up to um, the trade deadline. And I think a lot of this team has already checked out, unfortunately. So I think Green Bay wins this game. Um, they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground with Jones and Dylan. And then once the Broncos suck up, I think they're going to be able to get them up over the top here. And whether they use Musgrave, I think you could see Christian Watson finally have uh, a game of relevance for fantasy purposes, and Romeo Dobbs will continue to find ways to get open and surpass his 39.5 receiving yard prop total. I like it. I'm also going with Green Bay on this one, and as far as I know, there's there's not another team out there that's still sitting at the zero on the against the spread and the win column there. So, um, yeah, they've been bad. So I am going to take Green Bay to to cover this thing. I think they come into Denver. I think they get a win on this one. I do think that we see the over on this one. Uh, this is one of those not going to surprise me when we look up and we see this thing end somewhere in the you know twenty 
24 to, to 21 type of deal. Like I'm, I'm almost thinking a push happens into that, uh, that line there, but I do think that we find a way to just get over um, on that one. I think we will see some points scored in this thing. Uh, one of the props that I really like, you mentioned him just a moment ago, Luke Musgrave. I think that he's going to find a way to go over 35 and a half receiving yards. Again, this is a Broncos defense that gives up the most points to opposing fantasy tight ends in the league. And I think that Luke Musgrave has a very, very good day. Very good. I'm taking Aaron Jones over 50.5 rushing yards. Um, you know, finally healthy going up against a bad Broncos defense plus matchup here for green Bay. And I think Aaron Jones is able to uh, gash the Broncos here a little bit. Absolutely. Hey, so Denver not only gives up the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, they also give up the most fantasy points to opposing running backs there. So I like both of those things to come true. All righty. Let's go ahead and hit up the next matchup here. We've got the Los Angeles chargers heading out to Kansas city, take on the chiefs, the, uh, Chiefs favored by five and a half. The over-under on this one, 48. What are your thoughts here? I'm taking the Chargers to cover here. Um, I just, I don't like the five and a half, right? I don't like the, I could see it being a four-point game. I could see it being a three-point game. But it being a six-point game for Kansas City to cover, I, I think is possibly much, right? So the Chargers, um, the pass rush has to get home. And that's going to be a big deal here. Um, if the pass rush can get home, this game stays close. Um, if the Chiefs are able to hold off Bosa and company, it could be a very long day for the Bolts. Um, nevertheless, I'm going to take L.A. to cover. I'm taking the over here. I think there's going to be some points in this game. I'm on the other side of both of those ones. I'm going to take Kansas City. I think that they find a way to get this done. Uh, Kansas City has been pretty good against the spread, 4-2 and two against the spread with the 5-1 and one record out there. I think that we find a way for them to win this thing. And it's not going to surprise me if we see like a 24-17 to 17, uh, type of victory here for Kansas City. So I do like the under on this one. This is a Kansas City Chiefs defense that is playing much better than what we've seen over the, the past few years here. Um, the Chargers, right? Like I can't trust Brandon Staley to to make you know decisions that are going to keep the Chargers close in this one. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see a late in you know late in game with the Chargers on their own thirty yard line, and they said to go for it in fourth and three type of thing um, <laughs> to to ice the win and and keep that thing on the under. So, um, yeah, I, I I think that we do see Kansas City win this thing. I think we see it on the under. I think that uh, one of the props I really like. Um, so part of that Kansas City defense being really good this year has meant that we haven't had to see Patrick Mahomes be vintage Patrick Mahomes, toss the ball all over the yard, score multiple touchdowns, all that kind of stuff. And he's been a, he's had a down year for fantasy because of how good that defense has been. That being the case, I am going to take Mahomes to go under two and a half passing touchdowns. I'm going to take Rasheed Rice over 38 and a half receiving yards. Um, he has been the most consistent wide receiver on this Chargers team. And yes, they brought in Michael Hardman. I'm not blown away. I think a lot of what they brought Michael Hardman in for was what Justin, um, Justin Watson was already doing, right? It's just that deep shot. I don't see him dominating touches in the middle. Maybe feel some of that presence since uh, Valdez Scantling has kind of fallen off a cliff here and is irrelevant. 
for fantasy purposes at the moment, but she rice continues to find ways to earn playing time. And that is catching the ball and getting upfield, falling into the end zone a couple times, but it would not surprise me. And, and I'll get, I'll get to the back half. It would not surprise me if for she rice, ends up really kind of cementing himself as the go-to receiver on this team, right? We know it runs through Kelsey, but Rasheed Rice, I I think, is going to continue to earn playing time as long as he's doing things the right way, so much so that I I picked him up in the home league, right? And and I'm just going to stash him for now. I don't need to play him, but I like the possibilities of what could be. And if nothing else, because we have a keeper league, Maybe I like it and throw a dart because then he becomes, you know, a a 20th round, 21st round, whatever it is, keeper. I like it. Uh, Tingley over on YouTube saying, hey, what's going on? And let's go ahead and head on in here to the Sunday night game. We have got the Miami Dolphins taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles favored by two and a half. The over under on this one, 51 and a half. What are your thoughts here? I'm taking the Eagles here. Um, they're at home. They're coming off a kind of an embarrassing loss here against the Jets. I feel like they're super motivated. Um, and as well as this Miami team has been playing, um, they have they they struggled, right? When they went up against Buffalo, they struggled. Um, Philadelphia is a better defense than Buffalo, but can do all the same things, if not a little bit more offensively. So I'm taking Philly to cover this one, but I'm taking the over because I do think that we're going to see some fireworks in this game. Great Sunday night football game. Great Sunday night football game. Absolutely. The the Eagles defense, especially in the secondary, has been uh, a bit suspect this year, especially from what we were used to seeing last year on this one. So there's a I, – I can understand the, the call for the over. However, 51 and a half – a big number to get to. I just think that both of these teams are going to play this thing a little bit tight uh, to the point where I think, and this thing's going to come down to a 27 to 24 uh, victory for the Eagles. And the hook is what's, what's keeping me on the underside of that one. I think that one, so I'm going under, uh, I think think we're going to be really close to that 51 and a half number, but 51 is still less than 51 and a half. So I'm going the under one of the props I really like was, uh, uh, Raheem Mo- uh, Raheem Mostert to go over 14 and a half receiving yards. Um, I'm going out the big one here. I'm taking Tyreek Hill over 97.5 receiving yards in this game. That is a big number, but we could see it happen too. Well, yeah, the, the Eagles, this is where they're vulnerable, right? They're, right? they're vulnerable in the secondary. I think this is where the Dolphins have the chance to really kind of stay in this game and, and make it fun and back and forth is I don't think the Dolphins can afford to play it close no. to win this game. I think they have to just continue to cut it loose. Um, yes, you're trying to gash them a little bit on the ground, but if Mostert drops one or two on the ground and puts Miami in a hole, uh, two are going to be slinging it. And when he does, he's looking to Tyreek Hill first. I like that one. Let's go ahead and head on over into the uh, the chat. And we got a few uh, questions, comments, things like that coming in. So let's go ahead and hit those up here. Ray Gamer, someone dropped Higgins in my league, adding him, as you should. Yes. Right? Like, realize T. Higgins has had a down year, but that's still a, a name and a guy that you should be rostering and, and doing that. Like, that was, yes. a, that was a rage drop. 
Uh, yep, I had that happen in a work league that I am in. Uh, one of the guys was mad at T. Higgins, and he dropped him, and I scooped him back up. So um, I didn't play him last week. He had the bye this week, but I'm hoping these two th- – this is kind of the end of it, right? And they're going to come out of the bye. They're going to be rejuvenated, and we're going to see Higgins be be a kind of a big-time player here for the Bengals heading down the stretch. Right. As T. Higgins is a guy that we've seen, you know, years in years in and years out there where he may not necessarily give you like the most just consistent steady eddy performances where he you know just constantly gets you that 10 to 15 points and you know consistency his way into wide receiver two um type of type of territory he's a guy that goes out there and blows up you know just blows up has firework games where he's wide receiver one couple of times a, a year and you'd Quite frankly, if nothing else, if you've got him on your bench, even if you don't, you know, want to play him on those things, that's still one of those that you aren't having to face him on those blow-up weeks either. Like there's, there is a that is the defensive side of fantasy football when you can, you know, play keep away on those some of those guys like that. Uh, Tingley, Roshan out. Start Jeff Wilson, Warren, or Charbonnet. I haven't seen Jeff Wilson clear IR, um, so you're down to TJ Warren or Charbonnet. Between those two, I'd probably go with Warren just because we haven't seen Charbonnet really get enough snap count to you know, have some relevance. Yeah, cosine, right? Uh, we should know Saturday. So we should know tomorrow if Jeff Wilson does clear IR. If he does, I, I, think, it's an, I think it's an interesting play. Um, but I would play Warren over Charbonnet because of the receiving work, right? So if you're getting half point, full points for, for receptions, Warren does outdo Charbonnet, um, even though uh, Charbonnet has the easier matchup here. Um, but I don't I don't hate the Jeff Wilson piece. <clears throat> Excuse me, because of the game total. And we haven't seen him yet, right? We've seen A-Chain be successful. We've seen Mostert be successful. There's no reason to think that Jeff Wilson won't be in this Dolphins offense. Um, but maybe this is kind of one of those sit back and wait type things, even if he is cleared, not knowing what his usage in the offensive flow is going to be to start. Um, So Warren or Wilson, I lean Warren by a hair this week, but I'm not going to fault you if you need the the upside of Wilson, because I do think he has a higher ceiling than either one of those backs do. I like it. Uh, Ray Gamer saying that Olave had a rough game on Thursday. Yes, he did. Played him, only got about 5.7 points in the standard league. Opponent had Camaro, who had 17 points. Not a good start, but the rest of the roster is Hertz, Waddle, Barkley, James Cook, Hawkinson, Metcalf, uh, Hopkins. Uh, that's Dustin Hopkins versus the Colts. And thinking between the Browns or the Bucks D, I'd play the Browns D if, if you're asking the opinion on that one. But I think you've got enough upside. You should be all right with this thing. Yes, I'd agree. I'd play the Browns D this week. Um, keep an eye on Metcalf. He is questionable, so you might have to pivot off of that just a little bit. Um, but I, I like Barkley. I like James Cook versus the Patriots here. Hawkinson, um, a tough matchup against the Niners, but I, they got to move the ball somehow if you're Minnesota. So Hawkinson um, has the potential to be extremely relevant there. So, um yeah, I, I don't hate your chances. I was telling Derek earlier that apparently I went up against a ton of Alvin Kamara in 
my games this week. Um, and I'm finding that out the hard way because I'm definitely staring down a hole uh, because he got 50 touches. I know it's not actually that, but, you know, touch the ball, what, 13, 12, 13 targets, 11, you know, 11 receptions and then 10 carries on top of it. So 20, 27 opportunities through the game is what Kamara got. It's a big workload to try and get past. So I think you're okay. Um, I think Waddle and, and Hertz will kind of help carry you. And if Barkley's able to break one loose, uh, that's really what you need here is you need, you need touchdowns and you definitely have a lineup that can get you touchdowns. I like it. Uh, Gavin over on YouTube. Can someone answer if I did good traded Ridley for Higgins? I'm not opposed to this, right? Both yeah. wide receivers, they were drafted pretty damn close to each other um, on draft day. They both underperformed. Um, Ridley's had a couple more flashes than Higgins, um, but I think Higgins plays in a better passing offense right now. With the way Travis Etienne's running the ball, we've still yet to see um, – you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence kind of take that next step that a lot of us thought that he would. So we know Joe Burrow's there. The bye week makes his calf even healthier. So I do expect Higgins to outshine Ridley rest of the season. Yeah, and I was saw, I was seeing some interesting stats looking at it as far as Calvin Ridley. Um, the way that they're utilizing him in Jacksonville is he's primarily on the outside and stays on the outside, and he doesn't really come inside uh, into the slot. Um, like we see a lot of these other wide receivers and, and you know, do that. So he's, he's kind of always got the, the best cornerback that the other team has seen. He's you know, having to play in uh, you know, contested catch balls a lot of times. And the route tree has him playing outside the numbers on almost everything. Whereas a lot of these other guys where they're putting up points or when they start coming into the slot or they're making in-breaking route, in-breaking type of routes on those things. And so, yeah, it's it's one of those that Ridley is going to be the boom bust player. I think that we've seen so far in the season. He's going to have those deep shots. He's going to have a couple of blow up games there, and he's going to have other games where, like last night, he gets you one point because they're finding other deals that where that comes into play. And Trevor Lawrence is just finding he's not necessarily going on his first read, which Calvin Ridley is a. I think the statistic I saw was like a thirty four point eight percent first read option. Um, as far as how they're running that, whereas, yeah, he's coming off that first read and getting to a second, third read in which you're seeing both Christian Kirk and uh, Evan Ingram uh, get a fair bit of target share and fair bit of catches on that because they are on a lot of those in-breaking routes and they're becoming open quicker. Uh, and Higgins, like I said, I think that you're going to see some blow-up games down the stretch here. And the fact that he, you know, they move him inside-outside, I think that only helps that as well. So long way to say I think that you did good. I, yeah, I do too. And I think Ridley needs to catch the damn ball, yes. right? Like some of these aren't perfect on target passes and they're not registered as drops, but these are passes that Calvin Ridley should be able to, they're paying him to catch those balls. So he's got to step his game up as to uh, up as well, right? Like he's got to be able to get in and out of his breaks to touch quicker. And he's got to be able to help his quarterback come back to the ball. Don't let the defender go through you to get the ball and knock it away. Um, when you're going down, making sure you're getting your hands underneath the ball. Some small fundamentals here for Calvin Ridley should help improve things for him. But 
uh, I like the Higgins still, man. I, I think he's a he's a great buy low candidate right now. Right. Um, Ray, back to his picking up uh, T Higgins. He's going to be the fifth <laughs> wide receiver. That's that's even gold. better. Yep. Even better. Because now if you have a running back injury, you can sacrifice a wide receiver to get a serviceable back, right? And and at least be able to uh, continue on. Absolutely. Ray saying with his matchup, the opponent has Tua and he has Waddle. And uh, he has Hurts and they have A.J. Brown. So you guys are going to have a whole lot of kind of canceling out on some of those things. That's okay. Yeah, that's all right. The, the the, there's a reason that you play that many other positions in there because uh, that's where the that's where the difference will be. Uh, Marcos saying having a dilemma PPR in multiples of five if that makes sense. So I'm thinking it's a point per reception where instead of it's one point it's a five point per reception type of thing um, is how that kind of reads to me. Jameer Gibbs, uh, Jonathan Taylor, or Jerome Ford. Thanks. Uh, as dirty as this sounds, I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs and Jerome Ford. I'm going Taylor and Ford. Okay. I just, I need to see Gibbs do something. Like he's just coming off a a soft tissue hamstring injury. Uh, Ford has a plus matchup against the Colts. Taylor, um, difficult matchup against the Browns, but they are more susceptible against the run than they are against the pass right now. Um, We saw that in the first drive of the Niners game. McCaffrey, ran right down their throat and then they made some adjustments um but i think taylor's going to see some passing work gibbs will see some passing work so those kind of balance out a little bit um but i'm going to take taylor over gibbs by a couple hairs it's not super close but it's close enough that we're thinking about it fair enough part of the reason i'm looking at the the gibbs side and the the drone ford i'm we're both in agreement on that one that's that's yeah, that's a play there. As far as what I'm thinking on the Jameer Gibbs side of things is there's a good chance, you know, Monty's already been ruled out. There's a good chance that Craig Reynolds misses there as well. So there's a good chance that Jameer Gibbs very well might be about the only show in town in the running back room uh, in Detroit, a team that likes to run the ball. Jonathan Taylor, right? We're, we're in this kind of influx thing with what's that split look like between him and Zach Moss and that tough matchup there. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the, the upside of, of Gibbs, um, I think, but I think you're absolutely right. Jonathan Taylor probably provides a much safer floor in, uh, in that particular situation there. Any other thoughts there? Uh, no, other than I think that you, that's might be where you and I differ is I think Reynolds, Craig Reynolds plays, um, Fair enough. and sucks a lot of that up. So I, Gibbs might see 12 to 15 touches of the football, but I, I think, you know, 12 of those are going to be runs to the outside, and then you might see three passes head his way. Um, Taylor, I think you might be able to see a little bit more of a balanced uh, approach there. But uh, we'll see how it shakes out, right? So we both agree with Ford. Derek's leaning Gibbs. I'm leaning Taylor. Um, hopefully that helps just a little bit. Um, and, and, and good luck to you. Yeah, and then Marcos, you you have the the thought process and the reasoning behind that, so you can kind of go which which way you like there and and rock and roll that one. Uh, Ray saying that he's planning on trading Brees Hall, uh, trading for Brees Hall and Jacobs. Also have Monty. Do you think it's a good idea if I could trade Monty and James Cook for the two of them? Uh, with Barkley, Jacobs, and Hall as the best RBs. If you can get that done, go for it. Yeah, like. 
Yes, Monty's been great, and he's been great value to add to your team. But if you're able to flip that out, I, I like I, – I traded for Brees Hall a couple weeks ago in the home league, um, and I like I like Josh Jacobs' kind of rest-of-season stretch here. Like, I think he has some opportunities to kind of get back in the swing of things if the Raiders are able to remember that they can run block two. Um, so – uh, I would be all for that. That's a hell of a three-headed monster that you would have a running back. I like it. Uh, Tingley, would, are you trading ETN or other RB to upgrade wide receiver? 10-team PPR lineup is Law, Kelsey, Pukunakua, Devonta Smith, Flowers, Lockett, Dell, ETN, Kamara, Pacheco, A-Chain, Roshan. Um, I, if I'm trading ETN, I I need a massive wide receiver back. I honestly, I would try and move Pacheco or Devon A Chain. Right, like A Chain, we've seen his ceiling. Right, his ceiling was the Denver game, but that's all anybody wants to remember. And yes, he's been productive out there. But remember, when he comes back, that's a three-headed backfield in Miami. So right. he's going to have to do a whole lot with 12 touches. Like, that's a big 12 ask. touches are going to be on the high side, depending upon if he has the hot hand that week, I think. Right. Like, so that's a that's a big ask. But people are still in love with him. And it's Jeff Wilson. We haven't seen him play yet. So, you know, it's one of those things. So yes, he's on IR. But uh, Pacheco or A-Chain would be the two guys that I would look to move. And then you can run with Etienne and Kamara as kind of your top two and then Pacheco a chain would be your third back. Um, and even if you need to pair that, like Pacheco, Devonta Smith for AJ Brown, see if you can upgrade on the same team, right. Or Pacheco straight up for, I don't know that I go straight up for um, Waddle right now. That's a bit of a reach. Um, but you could do Pacheco straight up for like a CD Lamb because mm-hmm. CD Lamb hasn't been performing that well. Um, the other thing too is you could try and flip a Puka Nakua right for if you got those. We all we all have these managers in the leagues that they they really just kind of look at where they're at season ranking. Puka Nakua is wide receiver six on the season, and I don't think that he finishes as wide receiver six. So I think we've seen the best of his season so far. And while he'll be productive, you could probably flip him for, yeah, at that point I'd see if I could flip him for a, uh, for something, something else that's a little bit lower down the list there, like Nico Collins. Um, yeah. See if you could flip him for CD. Like there, yeah. there's some other potential there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So any other thoughts on this one? No, I mean, I, I think you you have enough different pieces there that you could get creative with your offering, but I wouldn't include ETN or Kamara as a part of that. Like you could look at again Pacheco and then pairing him up with a Flowers or Lockett to really upgrade, right, and see what that looks like for for your opponent and and or your league mate, right, and whether it's a Devontae Adams, um, C.D. Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown is a guy that I think is worth taking a look at. Um, 
you know, I, I think it, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, and Jefferson, I think, are kind of the ones out of reach. Um, but anything outside of those top five, I think, is well within play. Yeah, I would agree. Alrighty, let's go right here. So Gavin saying probably use Higgins as a trade piece because he has Cup, Chase, Ayuk, and Flowers. Yeah, I mean you can just don't expect. You need him to have a game first, right? Right. You're gonna have to sit on Higgins until either until someone comes to you asking like they really want him, or what you really need is Higgins to have a monster game next week, right? As soon as possible. And then you flip them on a high side because right now the, the name is, the name is nice, but the performance has been so abysmal that I don't feel like you're going to get what you want out of that. Right. And, and you need a, like a performance that he had in, in week two to show up, right. Where he goes off for you know, eight for 12, 90 yards and two touchdowns type of thing and get you up into a top five wide receiver finish on the week. Uh, before you flip him. Now, that might be a little tough looking at his schedule after he comes back with San Francisco, Buffalo, Houston, Baltimore. Uh, you're probably not going to get that thing really until you see like Pittsburgh week 12. And that might be a little tough then to try and flip him going into your right up against the trade deadline, right up against the. Yeah, the, like there's just there's not really that that super plus matchup until you get to week 12 yeah. um, on that. But he could he's the talent is there and he could blow up. I like the Nico call from the previous question, though. Like maybe Higgins yeah. for Nico straight up, right? You already have Chase and Higgins, so I get you where you don't want two Bengals. So maybe it is something Higgins, you know, Higgins for something like um, a Nico Collins or Higgins and, you know, your fourth RB for, again, CD Lamb. Right, and the true number one, something, something of that nature, uh, or areas where you could possibly use that to trade up in a piece if you find the right guy. Right, I like it. Alrighty, Ray saying that he traded uh, Moss for James Cook last week. That was a good move there. And then um, he's asking if they traded. That's going back to the Brees Hall and Jacobs. Um, you know, Monty James Cook thing. So if he trades, if they reject the trade, would you add either Watson or DK to the trade? I got no problem moving off Christian Watson. Uh, Cosign. We have not been big proponents of Christian Watson. Uh, We've yet to see it. Hopefully he has a big week against Denver, and then you're able to do that because, um Again, Romeo Dobbs is the security blanket for Jordan Love. It's not Christian Watson. He is the home run play. He is not the the floor play. Um, So if you can get him to have a home run game for the first time this season, that's awesome. Go ahead and flip him. Yeah, the second that I have, if I've got Christian Watson on it, the second that I get a home run game, it's see you later type of thing. Because, you know, wide receiver 27, 23 coming back off of, missing a lot of time is not going to get much done there for you. Would you uh, do, uh, sorry, I'm thinking back to a couple questions ago. Sure. Which one? Would, would you flip Pacheco for Garrett Wilson? Depends on what I, what I need and what my running back. If you're looking for, is. if you're looking for a receiver, right. It's going back to the question where, um, 
Yeah. To, this one. Yes. I think I'd look at that. Yeah. Again, I think there's the Jets are coming off their bye. Offensively, they're trying to get things together. Like Brees Hall is again. Was it Tuesday or last week? As Brees Hall goes, Garrett so Wilson. Yeah, so the Jets and Garrett Wilson, and I think it makes things a little interesting. So if the guy who has Garrett Wilson is is needing some RB help, that may not be too terrible because now you can play. Devon A. Chain, once he comes back, if you need to, but you have another piece there at wide receiver and a true number one to go um, to go at the top of, of your roster here. So you'd end up probably playing Wilson and Devonta Smith and Puka, Etienne Kamara with Kelsey. Like, that's a pretty good lineup. That's, that's tough. There's mm-hmm. a lot of upside, a lot of safe floors built into that lineup. Um so that might be something uh, tingling to look at is is Pacheco for Garrett Wilson. So C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson type is what you're looking for. I like it. Um, so Ray's question there is if they only have uh, Ayuk and Moore at wide receiver, not anyone else, and they just lost Connor. So kind of back to that uh, yeah, trade question there. Yeah, I mean, if you might be able to find them little desperate the wide receiver if that's all they've got is as Ayuk and more as especially as we get going into bye weeks I think it's going to be really rough here yeah Niners are nine Bears I don't know the Bears bye week off the top of my head um give me a moment I'll tell you 13 okay so yeah I mean there's a chance that they they might accept that um just from the standpoint that they they need some help at at wide receiver there. Yeah. And yeah, if I can if I can move Christian Watson, I'm gonna move Christian Watson. Any other thoughts on that one? No. Okay. Uh Mr. COD Reaper, who can I pick up over DK have Romeo Dobbs? I like Dobbs this week, yeah. especially against Denver. I have no problem with that. I think that you're going to see – I think you'll see Sertan play equally against Dobbs and uh, Christian Watson. Um, so I, I'm not opposed to that for this week. <clears throat> if you're you know worried about DK, Dobbs, Dobbs has more than enough credibility here this season to be able to plug him in as a, as a fill-in for DK. And you're really not skipping a beat because DK is not finding the end zone. Right. I mean, it, at most, you're what? And if you're looking projection wise between those two, you're this week, you're probably DK's probably what, a 14, maybe a 15, depending upon your league format. Romeo Dobbs is probably somewhere around 11 or 12. Uh, so and you're, you're talking three points, and that's something that you can make up with other ceiling plays elsewhere. So I don't know that you necessarily need to pick up anybody over DK at that point. Um, Kenji. Would you train King Henry for either Aaron Jones or Mixon full PPR? No. Year, yeah, years past it would be an absolute no. This year that yeah, this is one of those that you gotta give pause to it for a moment. And I don't know that I necessarily 
I guess I'll answer it this way for you, Kenji. It really much depends on what you think the Titans are going to do. If the Titans are going to be competitive in games and winning games down the stretch here, King Henry's going to get a lot of work and he's going to get a lot of lot of upside. But if the Titans are going to be behind games to the point where it becomes a very negative game script and they're down by a touchdown or more, um, especially late in those games, King Henry's, uh, you know, Derrick Henry just isn't used in the passing game. And we've seen Tajay Spears really get a lot of run to the point where we've seen him actually out snap Derrick Henry in multiple games this year. So there is a whole lot of that, that it very much depends on what you, what you think is going to go down the stretch there. And kind of looking at it coming out of the bye week, they play Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Carolina, Indy, Indianapolis, Miami. There's a lot of those games that they're going to be in going into your playoff matchup, right? That Atlanta game, that should be a very close game. The Pittsburgh game should be close. Tampa Bay should be close. Jacksonville, that one could get a little squirrely and could potentially get away. But Carolina should be close. Indianapolis should be close. And the Miami game is probably going to get a little squirrely and get away on that one. So... I, I'm keeping I Henry. I just, yeah. I, we've seen it hasn't been consistent, but we've seen what he can do, right? And he still has that RB1 potential, that top five running back capability. Um, we haven't seen Aaron Jones do that for a couple of years now. Um, and Joe Mixon, we have not seen him do it since week, what was that, week nine of last year when he had the four touchdowns. Um, other than that, he's just getting kind of ho-humming around the back end of RB1 to the middle of RB2. So I I think I'm keeping Henry here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree on that one, especially when we start breaking down the schedule on that one. Right, like if this is one of those that they were going to be getting, they were going to be put through the works there a little bit, I think that it becomes a, yeah, you probably move off of him just from the standpoint they're going to be losing games by a touchdown or more type of thing, especially down the stretch. It's Tajay Spears season, but I think you've got several matchups over the next seven weeks that are going to be very competitive for them. And you'll see Derrick Henry in there a whole, whole bunch. All righty. We got the Monday night game here. Let's go ahead and hit this one up. San Francisco 49ers heading over to the Minnesota Vikings, San Francisco favored by seven, the over under 44 in this one. What are your thoughts here? I'm taking San Francisco, and it doesn't matter whether McCaffrey's playing or not. This team is just that much better than the Vikings. I expect them to be pretty peeved um, after losing to Cleveland. Much easier team to pass against, so I think Brock Purdy comes back in a big way. Also, we'll see a lot of Brandon Ayuk. If Debo can't go, we'll see Greg Jennings. We'll see George Kittle. Um, we'll see Ronnie Bell. Um some of these other ancillary players who's, who will step up and fill in here. So I'm not concerned for this week with the injury issues for San Francisco. I still think they're able to cover that spread. Worst case scenario, it's a push. Um, but I do – I think they win this game by 10 or more, honestly. Yeah, I don't see this one being overly close either. I think that you're right. San Francisco walks away with this one pretty easy. I do think we see a lower scoring affair on this thing. Um, I do think that we see Alexander Madison struggle in this one. In fact, the prop that I saw on that one that I really liked was Alexander Madison under 45 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I am taking Brock Purdy over 1.5 passing touchdowns. I think he gets a couple this game. I'm just hoping that they, a couple of those find their way to Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, go for it. I got, I got Ayuk in places. 
There we go. All righty. Well, guys, that's uh, that's all the games that we've got to select to cover here. If you have any questions, comments, anything like that, you have uh, you have any other thoughts for your fantasy rosters, you want some opinions or answers on, let's put them in the chat. We're going to be uh, wrapping it up here in just a moment, but we'll make sure that we hit any of your questions in the chat up here. Uh, Kevin, any final thoughts out there? Uh, keep grinding, fellas. Um, I guess ladies too. Sorry, not to forget about y'all, but yeah, keep grinding. Bye weeks are tough. Injuries, um, all these waiver wires. Teams, if they're losing their back. They're going, you know, RBBC and and making life a little difficult on you. So, um, you know, keep working the waiver wire. Keep looking at trade possibilities. You know, if you're six and zero, great. Start kind of looking ahead here to weeks 10 and beyond, right? We're in week seven now. Start looking weeks 10 and beyond, how to set yourself up for a good playoff run. Um, if you are, you know, three and three or worse, then you're still in win now mode, right? So you're trying to put together the best possible roster this week to win, get above 500, get a little bit of breathing room, and let's worry about next week uh, after you get some of your players back. I like it. Uh, COD Reaper asking thoughts on, uh, I believe he's asking about Jamal Williams on this one. Or Javante. I believe it's Jamal. I just happen to remember Jamal on his roster when he submitted that a while back. Meh. I mean, with the way they're using Kamara right now, Jamal's kind of an afterthought, right? Like, the Saints are not moving the ball well enough to get inside the five where Jamal Williams would be um, hyper-used or hyper-efficient for what they need him to be. Um, Kamara is kind of running that show between the 20s here at the moment, and the Saints are just not a good offensive team right now. Derek Carr's, you know, pouting. He's throwing hissy fits and throwing players under the bus, and they got a whole bunch of problems going down in the Big Easy right now. So Jamal Williams is probably a guy I'm fading away from. I would agree with that one as well. Not only that, right? Like this is the Saints offense looked so darn good when they were inside the red zone and inside the tens, you know, the ten zone. Really, uh, we we start seeing the the nonsense of Taysom Hill and this Wildcat. Back yeah. to back, back to back, good weeks from Taysom Hill, and they're actually right. using him as a pass catcher. Like, we might have to take a look at this um, and reevaluate a little bit because if they keep tossing him opportunities, uh, Taysom Hill becomes a worthy start at your tight end position, not just a random upside play. Right, and uh, yeah, this is one of those that would, it really surprised me when you start seeing defensive tackles as fullbacks back there so i love that i love seeing those big guys line up getting a stance and they're just trying to knock someone's head off so yeah absolutely uh cod uh, asking would would jamal i'm believing this is for jamal williams would it be a good trade-off to offer along with dk it depends on if they're running back needy like they they got to be running back desperate at that point and you know dk has some upside there, but it really depends on what you're, what you're trying to get, and who you're trying to get with a Jamal Williams DK trade. Thoughts, uh, Tingley asking thoughts on a Puka Nakua Isaiah Pacheco for Cooper Cup trade. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. 
I mean, take your shot, man. Worst they can say is no, right? right? If they say no with Cup, okay, then move down the line. Like, who, who's the next guy that you're willing to offer that deal to? And then just kind of work your way through it. Right. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so, Mr. C, uh, Mr. Sudi's asking uh, a tight end and a wide receiver, right, for the Jamal Williams DK trade. That could make sense, right? Jamal Williams for a tight end type of thing. You know, it depends on what wide receiver you're looking at there. Um, you know, from what we've seen out of DK, you're you're not going to be able to look at a at a high end wide receiver. You're you're banking off of name value there. Yep, you're you're pimping the name right there. So, I mean, you could try and you could try and see on a Garrett Wilson, and just see, right? Like, there's. That would be a big upgrade. You could try that one. A lot of people are out on the Jets offense, not a believer in Zach Wilson. You know, all the things there, and you could potentially try and try and sneak one in there. Um, as far as the tight end goes, you know, it depends on on you know what tight end. But at this point, if you don't have pretty much if you don't have Kelsey, you're you need to string the position anyway. Play the upside, play the matchups there. Uh there's a few other options out there, but uh not a tight end that you're gonna be able to get with that deal. Terry, what's uh, what's good? Uh, not much, Terry. We're we're coming down to the end of it. Answering any questions the folks are throwing in the chat here before we call it a night. So again, guys, if you have questions, comments, throw them in the chat. Let's get these things knocked out here and taken care of for you before we call it a night. Which QB would you like? Watson at Indianapolis, Stafford at Pittsburgh, Love at Denver. For me, it kind of goes more in the Stafford or the Love side of things. Yeah, I've uh, Stafford love this week over Watson. Um, I'm Eileen Stafford at home by a hair, um, but I am definitely not afraid to play Jordan Love this week at Denver. Right, and I'm thinking I'm right there with you. Stafford's one of those that I not going to surprise me if we look up and we see him get to 280 and two touchdowns. Right, like I hope so. Then my prop hits. I, absolutely. There's a there's a chance though that with this Packers game in Denver that the running game just takes over, and we see you know them not necessarily have to lean on Jordan Love and the right arm and and all of that. Right, like there's a good chance that we could see Green Bay just literally run away with this game in Denver, um, and to the point where the the floor play for Love is. 180 and and one, right? Like you could you could absolutely see that come to play there. Uh, versus Stafford, I think Stafford on a bad day is still good for 220 and one. So, I, I'd lean Stafford at that point. There you have it. Uh, JD Amon Ra and Alave for Cup and Michael Thomas or Judy. No. Yeah. No, I like I like some some Cooper Cup, but. The upside isn't that much greater than what you see on Amon Ra, especially the way they utilize him in Detroit. Like Amon Ra is a top ten, top ten wide receiver. Cooper Cup, sure, probably a top five wide receiver. But what you're giving up for Olave to Michael Thomas? If Michael Thomas doesn't fall in the end zone with that, with that one yesterday, that's not a very good game, and he hasn't really been utilized that much. And Jerry Judy, you're hoping that the Broncos trade him and he gets into an offense where he. Yeah, you know, he's not necessarily the focal point on that one, and he's able to 
to have what I call Juju Smith-Schuster syndrome, where he has a, a top-end wide receiver to, to take the coverage off, and he can be the wide receiver too. Any other thoughts on this one? No, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, Mr. C.O.D. saying, all righty, thanks, guys. Uh, he'll keep us posted. And J.D., I'm not sure what love we're saying. Love for sure. Oh, gotcha. He likes love over Stafford. Okay. So he likes love over Stafford. I think we were on the other side of that, going the Stafford over love train. All right. Guys, Any, if you have any other questions, now is the time, or we're going to call it a night. And uh, while I give everybody a chance to throw their last ones in there, do appreciate everybody tuning in and throwing all the chats in there. We uh, These Friday night shows are always a blast going through that and helping you guys get that set up there. But uh, I do believe that that's going to do it for us. Any any final, final thoughts out there? Final, finals. No, good luck, guys. You know, hit us up, you know, even after the show. Hit us up on the socials. Uh, we will get back to you as soon as we can um, and, and try and – impart our knowledge slash opinion, right? To help you get a win here in week seven. Absolutely. And you can find us on all those socials at good old boys, FF Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the, all the places. It's all the same. Good old boys, FF. And uh, again, if you're watching this, listen to this best place to help support the show, head over to the YouTube and yeah, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, help us out there. Uh, last question, Terry. You squeaked it in here. Javante Williams or Devonta Foreman, full PPR. I'm going to go with Foreman. He's got the entire share of that backfield, even in a bad matchup. I'm going Williams because if you're going to beat Green Bay, you got to beat him on the ground, and Javante's got to turn it around at some point. So I, this is the little bit of homerism left in me, Terry. Uh, I just I can't say Foreman's a better play than Javante Williams. Fair. Um, Your logic sound, Derek. Right, like yeah. he is. He is the show in town. My fear is, at what point do the Bears get smoked out of this game and they just abandon the run anyway? That's fair. I just I'm banking on the fact that in that one we have a couple of backup quarterbacks, a couple of just you know this is a grinded out, grinding game, and we still see see Devonta Foreman get 20 carries type of thing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just I don't see Javante getting that kind of usage on this one. So, but there we go, Terry, you've got mixed opinions. You've got the thoughts on that one there as well. So, but that's going to do it for us. Appreciate everybody tuning in. He's Kevin. I'm Derek. Have a good one. Be safe to lose.